as we go into 42, it starts off with this, that Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt. And Jacob says to his sons, why do you look at one another? And he said, indeed, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down to that place and buy us there that we may live and not die. So the famine is so bad. This is the first year and the famine is so bad. And so they've run out of food and Jacob sends the sons to go to um, Egypt to buy grain to buy corn because they needed it to live and for their livestock as well. Now, I wonder how the brothers felt when they heard their father mention Egypt, knowing that they had sold their brother to um, the Midianites who were going to Egypt. Can you imagine? Like about maybe 20 years have, have passed by now. So they have held on to the secret and they have lived with all of the the internal turmoil that they've experienced, now they actually have to go to Egypt to get grain. So they go there, but Benjamin stays home. After what uh, Jacob thinks has happened to Joseph, he is not chancing it with Benjamin. So he keeps the last born home and they go down. Verse six and seven of chapter 42 says this. Now Joseph was governor over the land. And it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. They don't know that this is Joseph, right? The brothers are bowing to them. See how we see the dream coming to pass already? They don't even know it's Joseph. Verse 7 says this, Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So we're seeing the dream that Joseph had enacted already, right? And although he recognizes his brother, he doesn't reveal himself to them at, at once. No, he doesn't. He even speaks to them through an interpreter. They're speaking Hebrew. He's speaking Egyptian, right? And so he's using an interpreter and he decides to put his brothers through a series of tests because he is happy to see them, but he doesn't also doesn't know what they're like and what their character is because the last time he met them, he knows what happened. And we're seeing the hand of God in all of this. He asks, asks them where they come from and they say the land of Cain, they've come to buy food. And they tell Joseph that one of their brothers is dead and the youngest is back home with their father. So J Joseph interrogates them. And he tells them that he thinks that they are spies. And so they're saying, we're not spies. And it's like, listen, you can't prove that you're not spies. I don't know that. And so he places them in prison. And this is not Joseph being, ha ha, you got me. I'm getting back to you. That is not what's going on here. That's not the heart of God, um, of Joseph. And we know that he fears God. And if you read on in the text, you will see that. On the third day, the brothers by now, they're humbled. And Joseph wants them to prove their innocence. And how he sets that up is that they have to bring their youngest brother, Benjamin, to meet him. So showing that they are actually who they say they are. Now they know that their father is not going to let Benjamin leave home, right? But that's the only thing that Joseph wants them to do. So Joseph is talking to them, and then at one at one point when they're when he sees the how his brothers are are interacting with him, he actually turns away and weeps. He makes sure they don't see him, but he he goes away and he weeps. He's just so overcome with with emotion and how they're talking about 
their, his, their father and Benjamin, who is the youngest son. So we're starting to see that the brothers may not be the same brothers that Joseph knew when they sold him to the Midianites. So they decide to go back to, to tell the father what happened and to get, to get Benjamin. But Joseph said they had to leave a brother behind. So Simeon is left and he stays in the prison until they go and bring back um, Benjamin. So what happens is that as they're getting ready to leave, Joseph tells his steward to give them the grain that they need, but also put the money that they have brought back in their sacks, all right, to hide it in their sacks. So when the sons of Jacob arrive home, they are surprised and also terrified that the money that they gave to Joseph has been put back in their sacks, all right? And they also tell Jacob of everything that happens, but Jacob refuses to send Benjamin. He's not parting with Benjamin because he's not going to, he doesn't know what is going to happen. And Reuben says that, listen, send him and you can use my sons as an exchange for Benjamin's life. And Israel is saying, no, no, because he wouldn't be able to bear the grief if anything happens to Benjamin. To him, Rachel is lost. She has died. Joseph is lost. And now Benjamin is the only one left for him. Time goes on. They stay they stay in Canaan and time goes on and the famine is very severe. And now we're looking at about year two. And it tells us that the family ate up everything that they had received and Jacob sends them back for more. But Judah, Judah rises up as a leader once again and says, listen, he said that he's not. we're not going to see his face. We won't see the governor's face if we do not have our brother. And if you don't send him with us, we are not going down because we cannot go before him without Benjamin. Now, Jacob is hesitant, but Judah, rising as a leader, offers his own life as a guarantee for the safety of Benjamin. So we're starting to see a change in Judah from um, not honoring his daughter-in-law, from saying that Joseph should be sold as a slave, but we're starting to see a character change in Judah. And finally, finally, Jacob slash Israel um, consents and he tells them they can take Benjamin, but also take some gifts, right? And double the money that is needed. Carry that for the governor. They go to Egypt with Benjamin and they stand before Joseph. And Benj and Benjamin is there. He actually is there. When Joseph sees them, he gives the orders that they are to be taken to his, his home, his private home, and he will dine with them at noon. The brothers are afraid because they don't know what's going to happen. Remember, they think they may get in trouble for the money that was returned to them. They do not know what will befall them. So they try to explain to Joseph Stewart, the one who hid the money in their pouches in the first place, what happened and um, with the money and how they come with more. And as they wait for Joseph to come home, Simeon comes. So Simeon is released because Benjamin is there. Joseph is true to his word. And they are treated with true kindness. They're given water. They can wash their feet. When Joseph comes home, they present him with the gifts, the commodities, and they bow before him. They show him great respect, great honor. And when he 
encounters Benjamin. He is so overcome with emotion that he runs off to weep in his bedroom. He can't hold it. Now remember, Benjamin is the only other full brother he has of his mother. He is the last born and um, he didn't get to spend much time with Benjamin. And so Benjamin moves his heart and he runs off to weep. When he composes himself, he comes back and they sit down to eat. An interesting thing in the Bible, just an aside, it shows that Joseph eats by himself, the brothers eat by themselves, and then everybody else, all the Egyptians eat by themselves. Egyptians and Hebrews would not eat together. And even though Joseph outranked all of those Egyptians who were in his house, he still had to eat by himself. And the brothers who were Hebrews also had to eat by themselves. Just to show you how at that time in Egypt, they had a, a, a caste system and everybody was in the role, in the place, and the different classes did not intermingle. When they're actually eating, Joseph puts them to sit down by birth order. And they're astounded as how he could know who came before who. So that just lets you know that Joseph, that Joseph kind of showed them who he was without them even knowing. Everybody got great portions, but Benjamin got five times what everybody else got. And we move over to chapter 44. And as they're getting ready to, to prepare to go home, verses 1 to 2 read this way. Joseph commands the steward of his house saying, fill the men's sack with food as much as they can carry and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack. Also put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest and his grain money. So he did according to the word of Joseph. What Joseph had spoken, that's what he did. Now that cup, that silver cup that Joseph asked his steward to put in Benjamin's sack, that cup was very important. It was a symbol of his authority and of his positioning. And when the, the sons of Jacob leave off, Joseph tells the steward, now go and follow the men. And when you find them, search them because you know that one of them has stolen the cup. And so the steward does what, what Joseph asks him to do. And he goes, and when he meets the sons of Jacob, they're like, listen, we don't have it. If anybody has it, you can kill them because you we know we don't have it and all that. They search and they find the cup in Benjamin's sack. Of course it was planted there, right? But now they are so overcome with grief because they know what this means, that Benjamin is not going back home. He is going to um, be a prisoner or a servant of the governor, who is Joseph, but they don't know that yet, right? So they tear their clothing to show the great grief, the great distress, and they return to the city. When they return to Egypt, they meet Joseph again. Now he plays the part of being angry with them. And he, listen, he turns up the heat and he wants the culprit to be his slave and then everybody else can leave and all of that. He's really putting the pressure on. But Judah arises. Judah arises again and he speaks this. Let me read it to you in verses 18 through 23. He says, Oh my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's hearing. And do not let your anger burn against your servant, for you are even like Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age who is young. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. 
Then you said to our servants, bring him down to me that I may set my eyes on him. And we said to my Lord, the lad can never leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. But you said to your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall see my face no more. Right, so that's just the beginning of what he says to, to Joseph. And he explains to them, listen, he cannot not go home. He has to because we care. We care about him. We care about the, our father. And our father will die. And we're starting to see the brothers different. Before, when they were getting rid of Joseph, they didn't care how Jacob would feel. They didn't care about anything like that. But now we're seeing a change of character. So Judah, he offers his life for his brothers. He is now going to take his place so Benjamin can go home. He will become the slave so that Benjamin can return to the father so the father will not be grieved. What a substitutionary sacrifice that Judah is willing to do. It's a different Judah we're seeing here. And as we go into chapter 45, Starting from verse 1, we read, Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed. They were terrified in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came and he said, listen to what Joseph says, all right? He says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing or harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Verse 8 says this. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Even after we come off of this session, after this video, go back to this and read it. What a heart position of a person who has been through so much. They've come to the place to realize that, hey, it is not you who has done me evil. It was God all along doing me good. He used the difficult situations. He used even your hatred of me to get me into this place, not just for me to be blessed, but that you too will be blessed. In his speech, Joseph lets them know that he remembers what they did, but he doesn't hold it against them. And all of the sorrow that he has endured was for a purpose. God used him to preserve the family and provide the conditions for which that family can now become a nation. We see Joseph as a victim of men, but God turns it for his glory. Nothing was lost. Oh my goodness. In our lives, God can take anything and turn it for our good. Oh, wow. 
May we have this heart position. May we trust God in the difficult moments. May we lean into his presence and allow him to continue to shape our stories. Not only will we be blessed, but other people will experience blessings because of our lives and our accurate positioning. We are where we are supposed to be. So Joseph understands that and he tries to convey that to his brothers. And then they spend the rest of the time just catching up and talking because there's a lot of time that has elapsed. He cries with his brothers. He loves on his brothers. He provides for his brothers. We see restoration here. How we see the plan of God unfolding even more here. This is a privilege for us to be able to, to be part of this and to see what happens. And then, you know, not only is Joseph so pleased, but when Pharaoh hears about what has happened in the reunion, Pharaoh is happy as well, okay? And Joseph instructs them to go home, to hurry home and bring Jacob and bring their families into Egypt to get his protection, make sure they always have what they need. Pharaoh is just so happy for him. Pharaoh gives him great gifts to take home carts and chariots and what they need to make the journey and the food that they need and all of that. And they were able to experience such favor because of the favor on Joseph's life, because Joseph endured the hardships and he stayed in faith with God. He stayed honoring God, even in the moments of the greatest temptation. And as we move into chapter 46, it starts off with verse one, which says, so Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. So I want to pause right there because what happens is they go home and Jacob, you know, he's a little bit unsure of what it is. But when he hears that Joseph is alive, he's like, okay, I'm coming. And then when he sees all of the gifts that Pharaoh sends and the carts and everything to, to help with the transport, listen, Jacob decides to make the move. His, his spirit is revived because his son is alive. And he says he will go and see Joseph before he dies. So I want to go back into 46 and take up from verse 2. So God meets Jacob along the way. And God speaks to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt. Right. So God was letting him know he's in it. He says, do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make of you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will surely bring you up again. And Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. So there we're seeing God is letting Jacob know, don't be afraid. Go, go, go. I want to bless you there. You're going to be a great nation there. And you all will come back to the land of promise. I will bring you up again. And Joseph the one who he thought was dead will put his hand on your eyes. I mean, Joseph is alive and he's going to have a big part to, to play in all of this. So Jacob and the family, everybody heads to Egypt. And we see in the chapter some historical records and I, I call it like a role of attendance who went with him. Jacob leaves nothing and no one behind. And the males of his family, not including children and wives, were 70. How do we get to 70? Well, 66 men, right? Plus Jacob, Joseph, and his two sons. So we get to 70 that way. Now this family of 70 will soon become a nation of over 2 million people over the next 400 years. We're going to see that as we get into the next book after Genesis. As they're going towards Egypt, they send Judah 
You see, Judah's rising as a leader in the family, sending Judah ahead to Joseph so that they could point out the way to where they're going, which is Goshen, which is the northeast part of Egypt. And Joseph, he gets himself ready, his chariot, he goes to Goshen to meet his father. Can you imagine this reunion? And he presents himself to his father, Jacob, and he just falls on his neck and weeps and he cries and he's just so happy, happy to see his father. And Israel says to him, now let me die since I have seen your face because you are still alive. So the family is there and Joseph does his part to um, prepare his, their, the family for meeting with Pharaoh. So really they are there because of Joseph and the favor on Joseph's life. And so Joseph has to teach them how to now navigate their life in Egypt. And he says to them, listen, as you meet Pharaoh, tell the Pharaoh that you are herdsmen, you are shepherds. And, um, so that you may dwell in Goshen. So they were going to be dwelling in Egypt, but not among the Egyptians. God was preparing a place for them in Egypt where they can get what they need and they could be protected, but further out, the northeastern part of it, so that they would be separate from all of the Egyptians and its culture.